early in my ministry, one of the weddings that I officiated, um, the, the married couple, young couple who just got married, uh, invited me to drive them to the reception because I had a convertible and it was a nice day, so I let the top down. Uh, and my wife and I, Laura, we were just dating. We weren't married yet. And so she joined in with us and uh, we put the couple in the back seat, put the top down. Uh, and back then I had like a big, you know, a CD player that was being really cool and high tech, right? And so on my CD player, I cranked up the song by Guns N' Roses, Sweet Child of Mine, and we went through our small town just blaring that out and celebrating their marriage together. Uh, that's a song that came out in 1988 by the rock and roll band Guns N' Roses on their debut album, uh, and Sweet Child of Mine rose immediately to the top of the charts uh, and sold millions and millions of dollars worth of, of records. Uh, and since then, 34 years later, it's still being played. In fact, uh, the new movie by Marvel Comics is coming out this month called Thor. It's one of the, in a, in a trilogy of movies or a long line of movies, features Sweet Child of Mine as the main title theme. And on the Spotify streaming app that you can get, listen to music, 34 years later, today, has streamed Sweet Child of Mine over 1 billion times. Right? 1 billion times. Right, one billion times. Can you imagine anything that you ever said, thought, or sang being repeated one billion times? Right? Here are some of the lyrics from the song that uh, we sang. The choir, you guys are such good sports for singing that down here. And uh, upstairs, our modern uh, rock and roll band kind of sang it up there as well. But these are some of the lyrics written by Axl Rose, who's a member of the band. And he's talking about a girl that he was in love with that he ended up marrying. Uh, she's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place. And if I stare too long, I'd probably break down and cry. Whoa, oh, oh, sweet child of mine. Whoa, oh, oh, sweet love of mine. She's got eyes of the bluest skies as if they thought of rain. I'd hate to look into those eyes and see an ounce of pain. Her hair reminds me of a warm, safe place where as a child I'd hide and pray for the thunder and the rain to quietly pass me by. Why did I choose that song today? Let me show you a picture of this little girl that I just baptized. That's a big part of what we're talking about today. As Evelyn represents the children of our church and the children of our community, and the children of our world. That's right, that's you, Evie, that's right. It is. Now she has the bluest eyes and it brings us back to childhood memories and we don't wanna see any ounce of pain in those eyes. And today I wanna use her as a representative for all children in America, for white children and brown children and black children, red children and yellow children, brown eyes, blue eyes and green eyes. Because the children of our nation are important. And we, as adults, are called to care for them and to do all that we can to make America the best place that we can for these children and the next generation to grow up. So that's why I chose this song today. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about children today. And I want to pick up a passage of Scripture where uh, Jesus has been doing a lot of healing and a lot of teaching and a lot of traveling in Israel. He's trying to usher in the kingdom of God and its hard work. And his disciples are with him, and they're trying to be careful of Jesus and protect him. And that's where we pick up the story today in Matthew's gospel. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on and to pray for them, to bless them. But the disciples rebuked them. 
And Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So in the first century, in the country of Israel, where Jesus was doing his ministry, uh, it wasn't uncommon for people to lay hands on children and to bless them. Children were important to their families. They brought in income to the family when they were able to work and, and do jobs. They, they had extra security in case someone attacked the family or a home. They had more people to defend themselves. And one day those children would also be the next generation to begin to have their own children and to make sure that the family continued on into the future. And people loved their children as we love our children. But also in Jesus' day, it was a little bit different than it is now. Children had absolutely no rights under the law, no protection under the law, no status under the law. And so while the family might love them, a lot of other people in society didn't. And they weren't treated super well necessarily in society. And so when these children come to see Jesus, their parents must have heard that he was this great healer or the Messiah or, or whatever, and, and they're coming to see Jesus, so the disciples are trying to be gatekeepers. Because these little kids that have no status, no standing in culture, want to be near the Son of God. No, no, you stay away from Jesus. He has important work to do. He's ushering in the kingdom of God. He doesn't have time for these little riffraff children. And Jesus said, wait a sec, time out. This is exactly what I'm about. The kingdom of God is important, and these little ones are a very important part of that. And so he let them come to him, and he laid his hands on them, and he blessed them, and he, and he spoke to them, and, he, and he, he protected them with his words and also with his actions. And he also said that for us adults to enter into the kingdom of heaven, enter into the kingdom of God, that we have to be like these little children. We have to be humble. We have to be vulnerable. We have to have humility. We, we have to be utterly dependent on God. The children in Jesus' day, like children today, are utterly dependent on people older than them, stronger than them, to take care of them. And we, as followers of Jesus, must be like children, absolutely dependent upon God. These sweet children of ours, children of America. I have a good friend who's a pastor in the area, and he says that he's been really stressed lately with all of the controversial things that we're seeing in the news, with abortion and gun control and racism, and he says in his congregation it's making him very stressed because he's got people in his congregation that are saying to him, Pastor, you need to be preaching against gun control and for abortion. And then he has other people in his congregation who are saying the exact opposite, right? That, that we need gun control and, and we don't need abortion, right? And so the different sides of the coin, and he's feeling this pressure from his congregation. He's like, I just don't know what to do, right? These issues that affect children in our culture. And as a pastor here, I just want to thank you all for not doing that to me, <laughs> right? None of you are saying, hey, you need to preach this way about guns or this way about abortion, right? You're, you, you don't do that. One beautiful thing about our congregation is, is we are a congregation that thinks differently about a lot of things. And we can come together and agree to disagree and love each other because we are grounded in the root of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I am grateful to you for that. So we don't see that everywhere, and I, I really am thankful that we can have open minds and, and think about things differently and have open dialogue and come together. 
But I'm guessing if you're like me, sometimes we wonder how Christians who follow Jesus, who read the very same Bible, can be exact opposite about their beliefs about social issues. Christians can be in favor of abortion or against abortion, reading the same Bible. In favor of gun control or against gun control, reading the same Bible. And I think as Christians today, we need to be able to think theologically about the issues of the day. And I want to spend some time doing that today. And I want to, I want to tell you, I am not going to tell you how to think about any of this, right? That you have to think this way about one issue or that way about one issue. My goal is for us to think theologically. How are people who follow Jesus reading the same Bible able to come out on two different, entire different sides about two issues that are dividing our nation, right? Two among many, especially as they relate to children, there was a lady in my first church that said, Pastor, you've moved on from preaching and you started meddling. <laughs> Just want you to trust me. I'm not going to tell you what to think. I want us to think about how to think as followers of Jesus. John Wesley, who's the founder of the United Methodist Church or the founder of Methodism itself, had this to say about making decisions in life. He says, you need to consult certain things. Right? You need to understand what the Bible says about something. You need to understand what the church tradition is or church teaching is. You need to use your minds. I gave you a mind for a reason, God says. You need to use your own experience, and you need to pray about it. Right? These are sources for us to use as followers of Jesus to think about hard topics and to have conversations with each other about hard topics, especially as they relate to what kind of an America are we building for Evelyn in the next generation? Right? Are, are we a, a, a nation that's united we stand or divided we fall? It's important the way that we talk to each other and respect each other even when we don't see things eye to eye, especially as followers of Jesus. So let's think about the controversial issue of the day. The biggest one right now is abortion because the Supreme Court, of course, has revealed, or repealed right, Roe versus Wade where it's no longer constitutionally uh, allowed or guaranteed to get an abortion in the, in the U.S. And so it's up to the states to make that decision. And so you've got some Christians who are pro-life that say that was the right decision because that's what we see in Scripture. In Scripture, it says, do not kill. It also shows that in the womb that people are, or the babies are people, right? We see these passages of Scripture. From Luke's Gospel, Elizabeth is, pre is pregnant with John the Baptist. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is pregnant, and they come together. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was, was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So... Pro-life folks interpret that as there is life in the womb, right? That, that is a human being. Right? We look in the Old Testament, it says this in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. God says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. So even before there's a pregnancy, God knew who Jeremiah was. So these are passages of Scripture that people who are pro-life really kind of land with. But we also have people who are pro-choice, who are Christians reading the same Bible, and, and they see other Scripture passages, right? The scripture passages that says all of us are children of God, including women who are old enough to bear children, right? If, if I'm a daughter of God, shouldn't I be able to have a say in what happens to my body and how I treat my body, right? So that's biblical, right? That's, that would be a, a thought from someone who is pro-choice. And that Jesus was very affirming to women who didn't have a high place in, in his society in the first century. 
right? Jesus empowered the woman at the well to be an evangelist, right? That's one of our key verses here at South Park Church, right? Jesus empowered the woman who was suffering from bleeding and grabbed his garment and, and allowed her to be healed simply through her faith. Jesus empowered the women disciples to be the first ones to see him resurrected and go and tell the men about that. Right? So some folks who follow Jesus, read the Bible, see that, yeah, you know, pro-choice, we can see that in Scripture. They also say, right, there are so many children in America right now who don't have parents because people have abandoned them or not taken care of them, right? Look at these statistics here, right? There are 428,000 children in the foster care system in our nation right now. Over 100,000 foster children are ready to be adopted, and no one's standing in line to take them. Only 2% of Americans have adopted a child. Um, I had a family this morning from our church say that they were in the adoption process and they were just approved with their home visit and so they're excited about hopefully adopting a child. But folks who are pro-choice would say, we already have enough kids we can't take care of. Right? So again, two different ways of seeing things as Christians. Now, the United Methodist Church, our denomination, has an official stance on about everything. Uh, and some of you are going to agree with it, and some of you are not. You can just go to umc.org, and you can type in anything you want to find out about what the Methodist Church stands for, right? This is what the church teaches about abortion. Our belief in the sanctity of unborn human life makes us reluctant to approve abortion, but we're equally bound to respect the sacredness of the life and well-being of the mother and the unborn child. So really leaning towards abortion if it would save the mother's life, not so much for birth control, but for saving life, right? So that's the official teaching of the church. Again, some of you will support this and some of you will not. But again, today, what does Scripture teach? What does the church teaching teach? And then you can use your own reason and your own experience and your own prayer to think about this, right? Abortion as it affects our nation, as it divides our nation, as it affects potential life of other human beings, and then another great controversial subject. Aren't you guys glad you came to church today? You're like, wow, I could have stayed at home and watched the news. Yeah. Uh, gun control, right? Uh, guns became the leading cause of death for children and teens in 2020 in our nation. The number one way that babies, children, and teenagers die in our country is by being shot. I don't think that's anything that any of us are proud of. Um, there are more guns in America than there are people. There are 120 guns for every 100 people in our country. Uh, I personally own three guns. None of them are assault rifles. I have them to shoot targets with. I've not shot any one, but I'm a gun owner, and I'm an example of that, right? And so guns are an issue in our nation. We are a nation that consumes violence. We love it in our television shows. We love it in our movies. We love it in our video games. We love it in our sports. Our most popular sports are violent physical sports that make millions of dollars. We pay someone millions of dollars to knock someone down, and we'll pay a teacher not enough money to live on. In our we consume violence in this nation, and we should not be surprised that guns are the number one reason that children die, right? We consume it. If there's a demand for it, there will be a supply for it, right? So we're struggling with this in our nation. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our guns. Um, you go to the next slide. All right. Gunshot kills one-year-old child and wounds seven-year-old in southeast Charlotte. That was in last week's Charlotte Observer here. Right. That's, a, that's a headline in, in our city. Right. We know about the, the shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where all those kids were shot. Right. There's no other nation in the world 
where mass shootings of school children happens. We're the only nation that does that. And then this is just everyday life in Charlotte. I read also this week that a woman in the Upper East Side of New York City, the really rich part of New York City, a 20-year-old woman was pushing her daughter, three months old, in her baby carriage, and someone shot the mother dead, and the baby was just in the carriage crying out loud. Right? Guns are killing children in our nation. The hard part about this, too, is it's not just adults. It's children who are killing children, right? The killer in the Uvalde, Texas shootings was 18 years old. The killer in Buffalo, where the grocery store got shot up, was 18 years old. Our children are killing our children. Our children are killing our children. In our nation... You can't drink alcohol until you're 21 years old. 21 years old. You can't get a license to drive until you're 18 years old, and you have to go through three years of driver training. My son is getting ready to turn 15, and he's going to be in the process from 15, 16, 17, 18 before he can drive a car. But at age 18 in our nation, you can walk and buy an assault rifle like that. The guy that shot those kids in Uvalde, Texas, he was 18. Right after he turned 18, went and bought two assault rifles. Isn't something broken when you can't drink alcohol, but you can buy a gun? There's got to be a way where we can protect the Second Amendment of the Constitution, where we have the right to bear arms and protect ourselves, and not have the number one leading cause of death of children in America being guns. There's, there's got to be something in the middle to fix that. And bravo to Congress for just passing some gun legislation. Right? From the Republicans, from the Democrats coming together. Some say it's too much, some say it's not enough, but at least they're talking to each other about how we stop shooting children in our nation. So they've come together on that. We're thinking about that. So what does the Bible say about guns? Well, obviously they didn't have guns in Jesus' day, so that's, that's a little challenging. But they had weapons. They had swords and all kinds of stuff like that. And so in the Old Testament, right, weapons were used to fight against evil and to protect the people of Israel, right? It happens. Right? In the New Testament, we don't really see that as much. Jesus and Paul are much more peace-loving kind of people. Now you get to the book of Revelation, the end of time, the angels are going to come down and they're going to whoop some butt uh, of the bad guys, right? So uh, that's kind of what's going on, right? So uh, in the Bible, it's kind of a mixed bag about that. Uh, but what our Methodist church teaches about guns is this. The prophet Micah in the Old Testament cast a hopeful vision of the future where nations will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning hooks, right? We get rid of our weapons and use them for something else. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. Let's keep going. Gun violence greatly affects individuals, families, and communities. We believe as followers of Jesus called to live in the reality of God's dream of peace as described by Micah the prophet. We must address the epidemic of gun violence so that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in God's paths. The United Methodist Church calls congregations to address gun violence locally through prayer, conversation, support for those affected by gun violence, practicing and teaching gun safety, and partnering with law enforcement to help prevent gun violence. The church also urges congregations to advocate for laws that prevent or reduce gun violence, such as universal background checks, uh, ensuring all guns are sold through licensed retailers, prohibiting purchases for those under restraining order due to the threat of violence and those with serious mental illness who pose a danger to themselves and their communities, 
ensuring greater access to services for those with mental illness, establishing a minimum age of 21 to purchase a gun or possess one, banning large capacity ammunition, magazines, and weapons, and promoting new technologies to aid law enforcement agencies to trace crime guns and promote public safety. So again, it's the Methodist Church standing. It's in a little bit of scripture, and again, you have to make your own decision about this. Children in America, children in our community. What are we doing at South Park Church for children? Because we just took a vow to raise this baby so that when she's old enough, she will choose Jesus for herself, right? So what do we do? We invest in children, right? We have staff for this. We've got a beautiful staff here. Let me show you this. Uh, you see on the left there, Savannah Bryant. She is paid staff, and she is responsible for our children's ministry, our explorers' ministry. And then you have Chris and Nikki Bedell. You see Chris up here pretty much every week. Uh, these are our directors of student ministry, uh, and they are in charge of students in middle school and high school. We want to give Chris and Nikki and Savannah a hand for all that they do. So they let our children and youth know that they are loved by God, that God has plans for them. They teach them the Bible. They teach them how to think for themselves. They, they do fun things and activities. They we do a lot of stuff on Sundays. We do outreach and, and help people. And so we invest in the children of our church and our community. We also are involved with our local elementary schools. We have a, an outreach team uh, that's led by Cheryl Brooks, who's with us here today. And they have a ministry with Pineville, uh, Pinewood Elementary School, which is a, a school that's close to our, our congregation. Uh, and at Pinewood, most of the children live in poverty. And so the outreach team is responsible because they, they help physical needs. And so we feed the children of Pinewood with backpack food for kids to take home. Right? We have George, who's with us. He goes over and volunteers in their garden over there and feeds kids. Uh, we used to go and tutor before COVID happened, right, and, and help kids that kind of way. And we also want to share the love of Jesus with them in that. We also have another team in our church called Community Engagement that kind of interacts with, with our, our community around us. And they've started a relationship with Beverly Woods Elementary School, which is right down the street. Beverly Woods is a wealthier school. They don't have the same physical poverty uh, that Pinewood does, although some of those kids are, are hurting. Right, and so we've established a relationship with them to do parents' night out, invite them to our Easter resources. We support children, or teachers in both of these schools with supplies uh, and also uh, just teacher appreciation. We, we buy Christmas gifts for these kids. Right? So not only are we taking care of the children of our church, we're trying to take care of the children of our community. Physical needs and also spiritual needs that people need Jesus, and we want to invite them and teach them the love of Jesus. Right, And so... We're trying to provide a safe, warm, welcoming place in America for the children of the South Park community. And I thank you for that. That's very important. Right? The, the kid that shot up Uvalde High School, he was bullied. He was bullied by, by his classmates because he was too poor and he didn't have enough clothes that looked good. And they called him a school shooter. And it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? We're trying to teach kids their value to Jesus and prevent them from becoming school shooters. And thank you for doing that. It's a very powerful thing that you're doing. That when you took a vow to raise this, this young girl, you meant that, and I appreciate that. So what's the point today? What's the takeaway? What's the big idea? This is what I think it is. All people are equally precious to Jesus. All people, including children, the helpless, the hurting, and the marginalized. All people, especially the people on the fringes, especially people who are defenseless like children. They are very important to Jesus. So here are a few things I would ask you to consider doing 
to help the children of our community and the community of the United States. Do one thing to support South Park Church ministry for children and students. Pray for our student ministry, our children's ministry. Volunteer in our ministries. Give financially to the church, to these ministries. Go to Chris and Nikki and Savannah and just encourage them. Thank you for what you're doing for the children and, uh, of our church and our community, right? Do one thing to support the ministries for children, right? Volunteer at Pinewood Elementary. Get involved with Beverly Woods Elementary, right? We want to help the kids of our community. The second thing, humbly have a conversation about the issues of the day with somebody. And the key word would be humbly, right? Talk to somebody about abortion. Talk to somebody about gun control. Talk to somebody about racism. Talk to somebody about poverty. Humbly. We're we're completely divided in our nation. We've got to find a way to talk to each other in love and respect and humbly do so so that we remain the United States and not become the divided United States. If we as people of Jesus can't have open, honest conversations with each other, then we're in a lot of trouble. Humbly have conversations. And then be totally dependent on Jesus. Jesus said, right, to come into the kingdom, you have to be like these children. You have to totally depend on Jesus. We can't save America by ourselves. We have to invite Jesus to be a part of that. We have to invite Jesus to be a part of that. This is July 4th weekend. I am proud to be an American. I love the freedom that we have in this nation to come and and worship God, I think that's a powerful thing. I'm grateful to those who serve our nation, who've died to give us this freedom. We should honor our nation this, this weekend, and I hope that we all will do that. At the same time, I'm also a pastor, and we try very hard at South Park Church not to bring patriotism into the church. Not that we don't love America. We love America. But in this place, it's my goal, my number one goal, for you to love Jesus more than you love anything else in the world. To love Jesus more than you love anything else in the world, including America. Now, you can love America and you can love Jesus, but you need to love Jesus first, right? It's my goal for you, right, as I understand Scripture, to be allegiant to God first and foremost. And that we remember God loves America, absolutely. God loves his nation. God also loves Canada and Mexico and Brazil and Nigeria and France and England. God loves the Ukraine. God loves China. God loves North Korea. God loves Russia just as much as he loves America. Jesus loves all these nations equally. And he's happy with some of the stuff that we do, and he's not happy with some of the stuff that we do. But ultimately, our role as followers of Jesus is to build the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of America. The kingdom of God. Look at this passage of scripture from the New Testament. This is Paul writing to the Philippians. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That's true in our nation. It's true around the world. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Our citizenship is in heaven, the kingdom of God, here on earth 
And we, as followers of Christ, are called to advance that kingdom and to create a culture and community for the next generation that will know and love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you one verse from uh, the song America the Beautiful. This is a lyric, uh, America, America, God mend thine every flaw. I think that's a great and amazing lyric. America, America, right? We know America is beautiful. We know it's great, but we also have flaws. God mend thine every flaw. The end of that song, Guns and Roses, uh, sang, has this lyric to back this up. Where do we go? Oh, where do we go now? Where do we go? Now, sweet child, sweet child of mine. As we think about America and creating a place to raise our children in the next generation, what flaws does God need to mend inside of us? And where do we go next? Where do we go next? I want to put uh, Evelyn's picture back up one more time. And I want you to think of her and all the children that you know and your family and your community, this community and this nation, and hear these lyrics one more time from this song. She's got a smile that it seems to me reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place. And if I stare too long, I'd probably break down and cry. She's got eyes of the bluest skies as if they thought of rain. I'd hate to look into those eyes and see an ounce of pain. Her hair reminds me of a warm, safe place where as a child I'd hide and pray for the thunder and the rain to quietly pass me by. Where do we go? Oh, where do we go? Sweet child, sweet child of mine, sweet love of mine. What kind of America are we building for our children? United we stand or divided we fall? Where do we go? God has given us the freedom to choose. Where we go will be determined by you and me. May we choose wisely and may we include God in that decision. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.